Jared. That was great. Thank you so much. We just love it when everybody uh, gets involved in communicating what Cross Church is all about. And of course, we've been talking these last numbers of weeks about the seven habits of serious Christ followers. We did say before that we technically don't really need to or shouldn't be using the word serious, but we want to make it clear to you that uh, there is no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. In fact, Jesus says in Revelation that, that the lukewarm folk he would like to spit out of his mouth. So it's not a pretty picture. Um, this morning, I want to ask you a question. Are you serving anywhere? What are you doing in terms of your walk with God, in terms of your relationship to God? Before we go any further, I'm going to just quickly recap what these habits are that we've been talking about. It's hard to believe that we're already, already on the fifth habit, and we've only got two more to go, and then this series is done. Now, I want to remind everybody that uh, even though we've completed or will have completed this series, this is not the end of the seven habits. You're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the days to come. This morning, we're going to be talking about serving. And before we talk about serving, the first habit is, of course, a daily walk with God. That's the dailiness of our faith. The second habit is going to church every week. That's the weekliness of our, of our faith. The third habit is the habit of holiness, where we do what Jesus wants us to do. We call that the moment-by-momentness of our faith. You remember me saying that every day we make around 35,000 different decisions. Uh, not all of them are spiritual, by any means. Uh, not all of them are moral. But we did say this, that to truly please God, to truly honor God, you have to make sure you're doing his will. Because every time we do what God doesn't want us to do, the Bible calls that sin. And the way that you and I are going to please God is by doing what God wants us to do, by believing him and doing what he says. And so holiness really is all about being set apart for God's purpose. I'll be talking more about that in just a moment, actually. Uh, the fourth habit is being in a small group. And I said that you have to be connected to other believers because you become like the people you hang with. So if you want to be successful, if you want to have a, have a good, healthy Christian life, a healthy walk with God, then you have to hang out with other people who have the same ambitions and who are actually practicing that habit as well. Which then leads us to our, our fifth habit, and that is to serve God and others daily. Now, before we launch into this this morning, there's a, a few things I want to share with you, um, critical things that I need to share with you. I was about 15 years old, actually 14, really, 14 years old when I started serving in the church, got involved, helping. I was uh, assisting my mother in Sunday school. She taught me how to be a good teacher. And then when I turned 15, um, the superintendent asked if I'd be willing to teach a class. And I said, absolutely, I'd like to teach a class. Now, I want to just tell you this this morning. I was one of the most amazing teachers that have ever walked the face of this earth. Let's pat myself on the back here. Um, and my mom's here this morning, and she will say, yet yeah, this is true. Um, 15 years old. And I'll tell you why I knew it was a good teacher. And you will indulge me a little bit this morning because I don't often brag about myself, uh, if ever. I had eight-year-old boys. Do I need to say anything else, really? 
If you've ever had an eight-year-old boy, you know what I'm talking about. I had a, a room full of eight-year-old boys, and my job was to teach them, was to train them at 15. Now, I'm going to tell you, I worked really hard on my lessons. I made sure that I knew my, my story off by heart. I, I, I could stand up and give my Sunday school lesson, the way I'm teaching it right now, actually. I wouldn't check my notes because I'd know the story so well. I'd know the, the objective. I knew what it is that, that the students needed to learn. And I would just speak without notes. And these kids, man, I, I could ask them, well, what did we talk about four weeks ago? And pick me, I'll tell you. And they're all like that. They're all, they all knew the answers. They all knew it. Why? Because I worked so hard at having an excellent lesson for these kids. Now, to make matters uh, even more interesting, uh, the Sunday school class that I was given to use was actually the pastor, Pastor Barber's old office. So if anybody knows anything about Calvary Temple, you know that there used to be an older building there, which has now been torn down. And um, uh, I, was, I was actually in, in, the, in the room that Pastor Barber used to use before he moved to the new building into a new office. In the old building were a whole pile of his notes, uh, some of his sermons actually, I can still remember them on, on a yellow paper. Um, some of his books were left behind, odds and ends. Um, there were also uh, some remains of some of the uh, older folk that had passed away. I'm not kidding, in cardboard boxes uh, with their name on the top. Uh, I guess if you don't know what to do with people who passed away, give them to the pastor. <laughs> I don't know. But here's how good I was. We did not have any of those ashes scattered in that classroom. That's the kind of an eight, a teacher I was for eight-year-old boys. We were able to avert all these disasters. These kids were listening and listening close. Now, there were times when some of the kids didn't show up, and there was no way on earth that I was going to pass up the opportunity to connect with these kids. And so you know what I did? I, I bought stamps. I bought envelopes. And I don't know if anybody remembers the days when, when we used uh, Sunday school papers, but I would fold up the Sunday school paper, put that in the envelope, and then I'd write a little card and put that in the envelope and maybe put a stick of gum in there, like a Wrigley's. Anybody remember the days when getting a stick of gum was a good thing? You can't give a stick of gum anymore. You have to give a whole package. But anyway, back then, a stick of gum was good enough, and it went through the mail nicely. And I was an awesome teacher, folks. I mean, really a good teacher. And the, and the parents would phone and say how much they appreciated that and what a great teacher I was and, and how their boys were so impacted by, by my teaching, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? I thought, you know what? This is good. I'm onto a good thing. I got to spend more time on this. And so what happened was, I began to miss the morning service. You see, Sunday school was first, and then it was the, and then it was the main service, like what we have here. But I was so busy now, serving, taking care of my kids, that I started missing the church service because I was busy for God. One day, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. And I felt the Holy Spirit reminding me that while I was busy serving him, I was missing out on a relationship with him. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because I'm going to tell you this. My experience after 30 years in the ministry and uh, over 40 years as a Christian is that I know this. It is very easy to be involved in church, to be very busy serving, but to absolutely have no relationship with God. It happens all the time. I've seen it. I've seen people, they're involved in the band, they're involved in the Sunday school and kids club, they're, they usher, 
involved, 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 and yet their heart is very far away from God. And this is why we say anybody who teaches Sunday school here, they got to come to the first service. They've got to take in a service. Because here's the last thing that I want is for my people, my sheep that, that God has entrusted to me, the sheep that I have been called to get safely home, the last thing I want is to lose any of them because they're serving in the church. Now, is the Spirit of God speaking to you right now? There's a lot of people who serve, but whose hearts are far away from God. A lot of people involved, but don't have a, a, any kind of an intimate relationship with God. Folks, we're talking about habits. And so before I can tell you, you've got to get involved and serve, I've got to say, hey, hang on. You've got to make sure you've got a good relationship with God. You've got to make sure you're taking care of that first habit, the habit of walking with God, the second habit of going to church. How many know that I'm not here doing this just for the good of my health? Because this is a good pastime. I've got nothing else to do. I'm doing this because I'm on divine mission, you see. I've been called by God to feed you, to care for you, to instruct you, to inspire you. Listen, to be the mouthpiece of God. When you show up for church on Sunday, God has got a special word just for you. And this is why so often people say, Pastor, did someone tell you about my situation? It sounds like, sounded like you were preaching right at me. No, I don't know what your situations are. God does. And God hopefully will continue to use me to speak to your heart. This is why you can't miss church. Ever. For any reason. There is no good reason. Have you noticed that there's no footnote in your Bible when God says that you shall honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy? There's no footnote at the bottom that says, unless, unless you got to work, then you don't have to worry about it. There's no footnote. There's a reason why you got to be here. There's a reason why you've got to make this your habit. Without exception. That's why... I'm so delighted with my kids. They've got jobs, and sometimes they have to work on Sunday, but they don't miss church. They'll be here no matter what. Folks, listen to me. These habits are habits that God has given to us to keep us strong in, in our relationship with him. And the minute you start compromising, the minute you start missing, the minute you start saying, well, I can make an exception to this, this is the minute that we get into trouble. How many know what I'm saying? So here's the thing. God spoke to my heart, and I, I recognized that what I needed to do is I needed to fill up my cards for my kids in Sunday school. I needed to do that after the service. I needed to go get my own heart fed, my own spirit fed, because I didn't want to be one of those people that went to church every Sunday serving God, but yet having no relationship with him. And it happens all the time. In fact, there might be some of you here like that today. You recognize you're not where you need to be in terms of your walk with God. Well, listen, we're, we've said this over and over again. We're not here to condemn or to judge anybody here. We're here to help you grow. My job as your pastor is to get you safely home. And the way that we're going to get you safely home is by teaching you these habits and helping you practice them. No condemnation, no judgment, but lots of love, lots of help, lots of encouragement, lots of rebukes in love, lots of exhortation, but what you need in order to make it safely home. So let's talk a little bit more about this serving business. Do you know, uh, one, of my, one of my heroes, you've probably never heard of him before, some of you might have, his name is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He is considered one of the greatest preachers of the last century. Uh, some would consider him the greatest. 
one of the great church leaders of the 20th century. He was the pastor who preached at Westminster Chapel, which is like right downtown, right by um, Westminster Abbey, right not, not far from the palace. Uh, he, was, he was a significant figure in the life of England, and particularly London, for many years. Before he ever got there, however, he went to a little chapel in Wales where he preached for a number of years just after he got married. And here's what it says in his biography. It says that it was in the second year of him preaching and teaching that his wife finally became a Christian. You heard me right. You mean to say Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was called into ministry didn't marry a Christian? Well, he thought he was marrying a Christian, and she thought she was a Christian. I mean, after all, she'd been going to church all her life. And after all, she'd, she'd done all the things you're supposed to do, and she was serving in church, and she was being a good pastor's wife, and she was being hospitable, and she was inviting people in. She was a great pastor's wife. But while she was sitting there one Sunday listening to her husband preach, it all of a sudden dawned on her that she hadn't actually taken that step of giving her life to Christ and asking Christ to be her Lord. This might be shocking to some of you. But here's what I know. I know that there's some here today who've been coming here for a long time who've not made that, made that step yet. I'm not judging or condemning anybody. This is not what this is about, people. This is about trying to get you safely home and helping you to understand what you need to do. So before you're ever going to serve, what you need to understand is that you need to have your own relationship to God. My friend Bruce Powell, who is a pastor in Wales, his very first, the very first church... It was in the valleys, one of the valleys of Wales. I've been, been there, actually, a number of times, in the little village of Tredegar. And uh, you can Google it if you want. And uh, his church is on Castle Street. And he said when he arrived there, he was voted in by the membership, and the elders were all in favor of him coming. But here's what he discovered. He discovered that a number of his Sunday school teachers were not converted yet. They didn't know the Lord yet. He discovered that a number of the members didn't know Christ yet. In fact, I met some of those people. I remember Betty Burr. Do you remember Betty Burr? Uh, the most beautiful, godly woman you could ever meet. She said, you know, Pastor, she's Alan, Gloria, I taught Sunday school for a number of years, but it wasn't until our pastor Bruce came and started preaching and teaching us that I realized I wasn't even converted, and yet I was teaching others in church. And she was one of the ones that gave her heart to Christ. So i got to tell you this before I say anything more about serving, is that you have to make sure that you have your own relationship with God, that you've actually taken that step where you've said, Lord Jesus, I, I invite you into my life. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You need to make that step if you haven't made that step yet. And if you're not sure, you need help with that, come and talk to me after the service. Phone me, email me, do whatever you want. But I can, I'd be very happy to help you make that step. Now then, did you know that the Bible defines us as ministers? I want you to look at the scripture verse. Uh, Peter, one of the apostles, writes this letter to a group of Christians, and he says this. By the way, N-O-G, that's not like uh, eggnog. It's actually the, the name of a, a, a Bible version, the names of God version. So I had a couple of people come after me after the first service and ask me what that was about. So let's, let's get that out of the way, okay? So just ignore Nog. Let's look at the verse. However, you are chosen people. This is pretty cool, folks. This is what God is saying to our hearts. You are chosen. Chosen by whom? By God. So God knows your name. 
and he loves you. He cares about you. You're important to him. And he wants you, and he needs you, and he loves you, and he wants to do something great with your life. You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Did you know that you've got citizen? When you became a Christian, you took out citizenship in the kingdom of God. So suddenly your citizenship of Canada, the Philippines, uh, England, uh, USA, whatever, that, now scratch that. Now you're a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. You're all my brothers and sisters. People, you're people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, watch this. Um, this scripture may shock a few people because Peter is calling us members of a royal priesthood, which means you and I, if we are converted, if we've given our hearts to Christ, that means you and I are priests. Now look at the person beside you. Does that look like a priest sitting beside you? Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? If, you're, if you have given your heart to Christ, that means you are a priest. Now, a few weeks ago, I broke the news to you that you were, in fact, saints. And I told you to go to work the next day and tell everybody at work that you're a saint. I'm Saint Alan, and you're Saint Robin over there, and uh, there's uh, Saint Brienne. Did you know that? that? Yeah, you're a saint. Did you tell the people at work or at school that you were a saint? Did they say anything? Did they look at you like you're nuts? Well, look at it. If there's any Roman Catholics here today, I'm going to really mess with your brain. You're not only a saint if you're a believer in Christ, you are also a priest. Crazy, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says. You're a priest. You're a royal priest. You're a priest that serves the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is a priest? Well, if you look at the word priest in the Greek... Hiratevma. What does it mean? It means, actually, the literal translation of that is sacred effect. That means that you have been set apart for God's purpose. It's another way of saying that you are holy. Saint, that's what saint is. It means you're holy. You're set apart for God's purposes. Now, everybody here who calls himself or herself a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, you are a holy one who's been set apart for God's purposes. You are a priest called to do what? To minister, because that's what a priest does. A priest ministers before God. We look to the Old Testament, we discover that God has appointed a group of people to minister in the temple. He calls these people who minister in the temple, he calls them priests. Now we come to the New Testament, and Peter makes this explosive declaration. And he says, you see those people in the temple? They're priests, but guess what? You're a priest too. The New Testament is this, folks. It's all about taking God out of the temple and bringing him to the world. That's your job and mine. So when we're serving God, what we're doing is we're saying, we're bringing God to this broken and hurting world. We're priests that minister unto God and unto people. So when you are serving God, you are actually telling people about the excellent qualities of God, as it says in the scripture verse. You are taking that message, that good news, to a broken and hurting world. This was a revolutionary idea. Nobody had ever heard of anything like this before. 
Folks, you need to understand, you have a very special calling on your life. Your, the calling on your life is to tell people about Jesus Christ and to minister to them, to love them. Guess what this means? This means that you now are God's special agents. You are the hands and the feet of God in this broken and hurting world. I love the, the video that we just saw of the work that's being done in the Philippines. This church raised a lot of money. We sent, uh, just this past week, Greg uh, just sent $9,000 over to Jesus Reigns Ministries to help them in the work that you saw them doing in that video clip. These, these people, people, people say, well, where's God in all of this? I'll tell you where God is. God is with these people that you just saw in the video clip, bringing hope and love and joy and help and, and food and medical assistance in the face of this horrible calamity. That's where God is. You see the importance of saying, God, here am I, use me. I want to be your servant. I want to do the work you've called me to do. You are a minister of God. You are to be the hands and the feet of God. You're the one that God wants to use to bring hope and healing to a broken and hurting world. Now, in case you don't realize this, because a lot of people don't understand the concept of priest. We have to go back to the Old Testament, and the Bible says that the Old Testament is a shadow of what's to come. So if we want to understand what the Old Testament is about, we have to go to the New Testament. The New Testament explains it. Watch this. How many tribes of Israel are there? 12. Some of you know that. Now, the interesting thing is, is that when Israel came into the promised land, the land was apportioned, was, was sort of cut up and said, okay, you get this piece, you get this piece, you get this piece. But one of the tribes, the tribe of Levi, they didn't get land. Do you know what they got? Listen to this. They got the privilege of being priests. Now, I want to read to you something from the Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. It says, At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to, uh, and to pronounce blessing in his name. These are their duties to this day. That is why the Levites have no share of property or possession of land among the other Israelite tribes. The Lord himself is their special possession, as the Lord your God told them. The Levites were told that their sacred possession, their special possession, was not land, but listen to this, and this is exciting, folks. It wasn't land that they were inheriting, but it was God himself. Let the Spirit of God speak to you now. Because here's what happens. When you become a Christian, your inheritance is God himself. God is your special possession. God is yours and you are God's. And your job now is to be one of God's special agents here on this earth, prepared to serve him and to serve others. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you come to church and someone says, who's the minister? You automatically will say, well, that man, Pastor Alan Duncan, he's, he's a minister. Well, you'd be partly correct, but nowhere near correct. Folks, listen to me. You are the ministers of this church. Someone said, well, where's my paycheck? <laughs> Say, I'm the one that's paid to be good. You're good for nothing. <laughs> Seriously. 
You are ministers. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means that you are a minister. You are being used by God to bring blessing to this world and to bring blessing to the heart of God. So my question this morning is this. What are you doing? What are you doing for God? And maybe you're asking, well, Pastor, if we're the ministers, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, my job, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to equip you to do ministry. That's my job. In fact, that's the job of the staff of this church, is to equip you, to help you to get involved, to help you find a place where you can use your gifts and your skills. I don't know if you know this or not, but every single person, without exception, Every single person has a special work, a special job to do. You have special gifts, special talents that only you can do. And for this reason, our staff has prepared a simple little form like this. I'm, I'm going to invite you to go to the info desk after the service. And basically, it's just a list of ways that you can get involved. You just tick off anything on that list that you're interested in. Put your name on it and your phone number or your email, and we'll be in touch with you. But I need, you, I need you to take that initiative to say, Pastor Alan, I, I recognize, I understand that as a Christian, that the evidence that I'm a believer is that I get involved, that I serve. And not just in the church, but wherever you live and wherever you go and whoever you live with. Your job is to minister to them. The evidence that you are a believer, a Christ follower, is that you are involved. That you don't just come and warm up a chair every Sunday. That you're willing to say, you know what, Pastor John, I don't have a ton of time, but I would like to give a portion of my time, and I'd like to serve. Well, fill in that form, and we'll find you a place to serve. It means you're, you're a minister. You're a servant. Now, look what it says there. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God. You know, uh, one of the things I used to love about going to church when I was a boy, we used to always sit in the same section. In Calvary Temple, they had the same ushers in the same positions that were there for, I think, for 100 years. It seemed like it because I was only eight or nine years old. But there were one usher in particular, I remember him. He was so nice and so kind, and he would always look me in the eye and shake my hand and smile at me and ask me how I'm doing and call me by name and sometimes he'd give me a, a candy. We can't do that nowadays. You can't give kids, <laughs> men cannot give kids candy. But in those days, it was still okay with pretty innocent times. This man was, was so, so nice to me that that was one of my highlights of going to church. The idea that the only way that you can do something significant is if you're on the platform, if you're in the, in the, in the lights, if you're you know, doing a big job. But how many understand that anything you do as unto God is great in God's eyes? And so I thank God for that, man. I still remember him to this day. I passed on long ago, and someday uh, we're going to have a bit of a reunion when we get to heaven, and we're going to talk, and I'm going to tell him about what I was thinking because I didn't tell him when I was a kid. Folks, listen to me. You are servants called to point people to God. Has anybody ever heard of Saturday Night Live? Some of you have. Some of you will not admit it. But one of the characters, I don't know if it's still on anymore, but years ago, one of the characters was the church lady. Has anybody ever heard of the church lady? And basically, it was, it was uh, someone dressed up like a little old lady with, you know, with her 
with her pearls and her horn rim glasses and her hat and whatever. And uh, they really cast her in a bad light. They, they made her look like she like a busybody, uh, maybe a bit of a gossip, self-righteous, sort of anti-young people, um, judging. And the idea is, in their mind, is that these church ladies, they get together and they, they knit and make quilts for Jesus, but yet are gossiping and judgmental and harsh. Now, can I just tell everybody this? Because some of us are like really offended by that. But listen to me. There's a reason. There's a reason why Christians, why the church, why pastors have got a bad reputation. It's because we have forgotten who we are at the very core. We're not called to judge. We're not called to gossip, obviously. In fact, the Bible says that if you're a gossip, you can't inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you're not a believer if you're a gossip. There's a reason why we have a bad reputation. It's because we've forgotten that we've been called to serve people, to love people, to care for people. How would people see you? How would they define you? Would they see you as a self-righteous, busybody, judging, condemning, gossiping, holier than thou? Or would they see you as Jesus has called you to be, which is a servant, God's special agent in this broken and hurting world. Your job is, when you go to work is to, is to mirror Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus says about himself. Anyone, in Matthew 20, 26 to 28, if, if anyone wanting to be a leader among you must be your servant. Did you know, by the way, that I am the chief servant here? I ask everybody to serve, but I try to set the pace by serving more than anybody. And it's, I'm not saying that because I want to brag, but you need to understand that what I'm telling you to do and asking you to do and preaching to you to do, I actually practice what I preach. That's what gives me authority as your pastor. And Jesus says this, and if you want to be right at the very top, if you want to be great in the kingdom, then you must serve like a slave. Your attitude must be like my own, Jesus says. For I did not come to serve, or to be served, but to serve. And in, in the gospel market adds, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Now listen to me. Jesus has set for you and me an example that we should follow in his footsteps. That we should do what he does. And what does he do? He comes to serve. He comes to lay down his life. He comes to be a slave for us. Now listen to this. Jesus Christ, he came to this earth. He, he gives us a snapshot here. This is a snapshot of what Jesus looks like and what you and I are supposed to look like. So here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's, if, if there's going to be a, a fight in church, how many know there are sometimes fights in churches? Thank God we don't have fights in our church. But if there was going to be a fight in this church, here's what the fight should be over. Are you ready for this? You can take notes on this. If there's going to be a fight in the church, it should be over who gets to be the servant. Who gets to serve whom? If there's going to be a fight in, in, in our marriage, it's going to be over who gets to serve whom. No, it's my turn to make supper. No, it's my turn to take out the garbage. No, it's my turn to, to serve you. Because, folks, this is what it means to be an authentic follower of Christ. 
And I'm going to tell you this. The do- those who don't know Jesus Christ know what's real and they know what's fake. What is the great condemnation from the world about us? That we're just a bunch of... Ah, uh, yeah. You and I are called to be servants. You and I are called to serve. You and I are called to lay down our lives and care for others. So let me ask you this question. How would the people in your family define you? Would they define you as a servant? Or would they define you as a dictator that needs to be served? You say, Pastor Ron, this sounds like awfully hard stuff. Well, you know what? You're right, it is. In fact, I'll tell you this. The apostles, when they're following Jesus around and listening to his radical teaching, you know what, he, you know what they said? They said, Jesus, who on earth can do this? Who can live like this? No one can live like this. And Jesus said, you're right. We're right? Yeah, Jesus said, you're right. It's in, it is impossible to live like this. But with God... All things are possible. So here's what you need to know as a Pentecostal. I don't know if you see yourself as a Pentecostal or not. This is a Pentecostal church in case you didn't know it. Uh, we, we don't have handling of snakes or anything like that, but we are Pentecostal. Here's what we believe. We believe that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, it was poured out upon his people so that we would act as spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, spirit-led people who do the will of God. That's what it means to be a priest. That's what it means to be a minister. That is what it means to serve. And you and I are called to be like Jesus, ready to lay down our lives. Now listen to this. Jesus says, your attitude must be like my own. I remember serving in kids' club. I mean, those were the days when I was literally involved in every single thing in the church before we had a lot of people that could actually do this stuff. And there are others here with me today that were in the same boat. We did everything. And we did, this, did the kids' club together. And an irate father came in one night. Just reamed me out. This church is so prejudicial. This church is, this, is discriminating against my son. I said, well, ho, ho, hold on. Who are you? <laughs> and what are you talking about? Well, he just comes out swinging, you know, and he's, this church is mean to my son. My son can't be involved and do the things that other kids get to do. And, and why did my kid get suspended? And on and on and on and on. So finally I figured out who the kid was. So this is one of those kids that, you know, he can't help himself. He just has to beat up everybody that's around him. So I said, well, sir, uh, you know, your son's beating other kids up. But what, what did they do to him? Of course, it's never his kid's fault. It's everybody else's fault. Well, Sir, you're the common denominator is your son, actually. Wherever there's a fight, your son seems to be there. Oh, he wasn't having any of that. But as he's railing at me, here's what I'm thinking in my mind. I'm thinking, I don't need this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't need this. I need to put up with this. Why should I leave my wife and my kids and go over to the church? I think Gloria was involved, actually, at that time. Why should I come up, give up an evening, prepare... Prepare in advance for this and to serve this kid who's angry and fighting and a father who does not even say thank you. He's not paying anything to send his kid here. All these volunteers show up to serve these kids and we don't get a thank you. We get, we get a strip taken off of us. Now listen to me. 
Why on earth would I stay and do that work? Why not just say, that's it, I closed down, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. What a bunch of garbage. Here's what you need to understand. As I'm looking at this man who's, who's, who's got venom, venom coming out of him, who's ready to kill me, who looks like a gangster, I'm thinking to myself, God, I'm not serving this man, I'm serving you. I'm serving you first. I'm doing your will, Father. I'm serving this man and his family. I'm doing this as unto God. I'm going to tell you this right now. It is impossible to serve God and to serve others in your own power or in your own strength. Folks, this is the difference between a volunteer and a minister. A volunteer shows up and does whatever he wants, whatever she wants, whenever they want. But here's what a minister does. A minister understands that he or she is called by God to serve him. And because we're serving him, we're serving others. We're called by God to do this work. And as I looked at this man, I suddenly felt a warmth come over my heart. And a smile come out over my face. I put my hand out to him and I said, Sir, I can see why you'd feel so bad about your son. What can we do together to work together towards helping your son so that he can get all that he can out of this program? You know what? I saw this man melt before my eyes. It was like I had phenomenal cosmic power flowing through my hands. And he relaxed. And he became my friend. Something supernatural happened. Something divine happened. God showed up and used me as his humble servant, to bless this man and his family and to bless his community. Listen to me, folks. You've got to get this. Because that person at work that's driving you nuts, that kid in your home that's driving you nuts, that spouse who's driving you crazy, that person at school who's making you crazy, listen to me. Your job is to show up as God's secret agent to go and bring his love and his hope and his healing to their broken hearts. That's what you and I are. Called to serve, called to be God's priests. So next time you have an interaction with somebody, understand this. You are now God's chosen people, so now you are speaking as God's agent. Next time you're speaking to your kid, understand that you are called by God to do something special in his life or her life. Next time you go to work, reach out to those people around you who are difficult to love and understand that God has called you to serve them. You know, when I was doing the building program, there'd be nights, I'd work all day and then be here all night. And I'd I remember feeling really sorry for myself. Have a real good pity party. Has anybody ever had a pity party? You buy the balloons and the hats and just nobody shows up. It's just so depressing. There I am all alone. Feel like crying, painting the walls or fixing something. God, here I am all alone. Why isn't anybody out here helping? And then God speaks to my heart and says, Alan, what are you doing this for? Because if you're doing it for yourself, or you're doing it for people, then just go home and forget it. But if you're doing it for me, understand what a privilege it is to serve. 
So there I am now, no longer having a pity party. But literally, with tears streaming down my cheeks, I got to say, thank you, God, for the privilege of serving you and being part of building your, your, your local church here. You're called to serve, and you're serving God. And sometimes people will be grateful for your services, and sometimes, frankly, they just will not like it at all. In fact, they'll be mad at you while you're trying to help them. That happens to me all the time as a pastor. I serve people. I counsel them. I give them stuff. I, I give them scholarships. I do whatever I can. And then, nah, I don't want to go to this church anymore because, you know, I don't like whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, God, give me the grace to serve unconditionally. I want to read to you uh, a verse from Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Here's what Jesus says. It's not up there, so guys, if you're looking for it, it's not there. Only those, listen to this, talk about radical. By the way, everybody knows that this church is radical, right? We're not, this is not just a, you don't have a checklist of, of rituals or traditions or, rit- or routines that we go through here. Listen to this. Listen, listen. This is, actually, I was thinking of using this as the tagline for this church. It's going to blow you away. You ready for this? Oh. Mark eight thirty five. This is from the Living Bible. And it says, oh. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Hello? Did you hear that? Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and the sake of the good news will ever know what it really means to live. How many want to really live and really live it up and really have a real party and really enjoy themselves? I'll tell you what you need to do. Go throw away your life for Jesus' sake. Go serve him. Go lay down your life and watch what God will do in you and through you. That would be a great tagline for Cross Church. Join us. Come throw your life away. <laughs> I'm sure people would just just storm the doors, just fighting to get in here to be part of this. Cross church where you can die. (laughs) In Jesus' name. (laughs) Come be a slave at cross church and you'll really be happy. And so will the pastor. (laughs) Folks, if you've come to this church for church as usual, you're not going to get it here. But if you want something really radical and crazy and exciting and life-transforming, you've come to the right place. Because we're a church all about laying down our lives for Christ's sake. Because we want to really live. And I can tell you this, anybody who ever signs up to serve and is serious about this habit of giving their life away, here's what I've discovered. Is that you will be blessed beyond anything you could ever dream of or ever imagine. This place is for you if you're serious about being a radical Christ follower. If you're serious about following Jesus. So I'm not, I haven't got a sign-up table at the back. I've got these forms in the, in the info, at the info booth. You can go get them and fill them in. You can phone me. You can email me. You can visit me. You can talk to any one of the staff. We will all help you because we've got lots of things that but we need, we need oops, sorry, servants for. Because you're, you're not a volunteer, right? You're a servant called by God to serve. Sign up. Do what God wants you to do. Would you stand with me, please?
And we're going to pray right now. And uh, I'm just praying that God will move in your heart to sign up to serve. Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your service. Thank you, God, that you've called us to be part of your great team that brings hope to a broken and hurting world. Watching the volunteers, those who are serving, actually, in the Philippines, caring for those who've been through the typhoon, such a joy, such a delight to see them serving you faithfully. God, I pray that we would have in our own church a, a mighty army of servants ready to serve you, Father, and make a difference at their workplace, make a difference in this church, in this community, in their home, in their community, wherever it may be. God, we commit ourselves to you right now, asking for the grace and the strength to live this radical life that really, really requires the anointing and the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. So God, we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Now tell the person beside you, ready for this? Tell the person beside you, sign up to serve.